Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. Today, I'm joined on the cast by returning guest, Larry Luke. We talk about the Hawks' West Coast road trip, the Nike City uniforms, both the Hawks and the other uniforms in the rest of the NBA. We talk about returning Hawks, John Collins and Dwayne Dedman. And finally, we finish up with me talking about a piece of memorabilia from my own personal collection. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Kettlecast. Larry, thanks for coming on again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, Always fun to jump on and talk Hawks and sound off on whatever's on my mind regarding the franchise and activities and (laughs) design and all that. So I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. The first thing is the Hawks just finished a trip where they went and played the Lakers, the Warriors, the Nuggets, and the Pacers, and they didn't win any of those games. Some of the notable things that stood out to me were the Hawks played the Warriors and the Lakers really tough and then kind of fell off first the Nuggets. Yeah, it's almost like the concentration was broken by the time they got to Denver. Yeah. Um, It was the last game of a long road trip, and I'm sure Mr. Mr. Millsap on the Denver side was ready to kind of show it out against his old team and probably exploit some of the mistakes that our young team, you know, would fall susceptible to to a a veteran. Absolutely. uh, A wily veteran at that, so... It, it was fun to watch. They kind of hung tough throughout most of the games on the West Coast trip. Uh, the Warriors game specifically was tight all the way down to the end. I think the Lakers one was as well. Yeah, the se- uh, second half, or most, more specifically, third quarter woes that keep happening to our young team kind of prevent us from getting the W. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point about how the young the team is and the inexperience kind of shows by these third quarters that they'll be in a close game and then they'll just dig a little bit of a hole that it's hard to get out of in the second half. That Lakers game was pretty interesting because they played so well and at the end of the game, LeBron James went to the free throw line and missed two free throws. Which doesn't happen. Right. (laughs) It was almost gifted to us. That was fantastic. The Hawks had a one-point lead, but... They gave up an offensive rebound to the Lakers on that, on a free throw that allowed LeBron to get a dunk. And he probably should have been called for a technical foul when he was hanging on the rim after that. Of course, he's LeBron James, and we're the Hawks. We're never going to get that call. Yeah, I thought it was very encouraging to see Trey take control of the last shot, and instead of settling for a long three, he went in and tried to get a layup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say I'm really happy with Trey's performance so far throughout the season. I think... Was it the Golden State game specifically where he didn't play any of the fourth quarter? Right. I think he was kind of having a rough night. Yes. Um, and that might be a result of like the first speed bump in a rookie season. Mm-hmm. You know, you're playing so many games, uh, way more than college, and you're just trying to like get through that wall. Um, yeah. And this might be the first little piece of the wall, I guess. But he'll, yeah. he'll get through it. I mean, I think the passing is... Everyone talks about his passing. still amazing, and he's still driving to the cup, and he's finding his players, uh, you know, learning to lead, and I like that. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. I mean, the college basketball season has just started, and the Hawks have already played 
15 games. So it's a very different toll on your body, and I think that kind of all manifested in that Denver game where you're at altitude, you've played these two close games on the West Coast, and then you get this team with the Nuggets who are playing very well and kind of take advantage of a young team. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that Hawks never perform well in Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the last time we won there. Maybe we have recently, but I remember a couple seasons ago, uh, myself and a few of the Hawks bros went to Denver Yo, to, to watch a game. And this is when we had like Pero Antich, Mike Scott. Yeah. Uh, I think it was still Horford and Millsap. That was a good season. That may have been the 60, 60 win, win season. And uh, we went to Denver and laid an egg. Totally blown out. And Everyone wants to say maybe it's the altitude or whatever, but it it's real. Yeah, exactly. It absolutely affects it. Trey Young didn't play well in the Utah Summer League. His shot was off, and that's also a little bit at altitude. And in this game, his shot, I mean, he shot an air ball. He, he shoots air balls every once in a while, but he seems to shoot it more in, in these types of games. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, like... Going back to the college basketball thing, Trey's been in summer league. He's been in preseason. He's playing all of these games. That's what, like, add that up, and it's almost a college basketball season already. Right. I think, you know, they're, they're going to get through it. They're going to push through and come out better for it. Yeah. I think one of the bright spots was this game against the Pacers where we actually got to see John Collins on the court. One thing that was easy to do in these first few games is kind of forget John Collins and forget that our full team isn't out there. Probably our best player, you could also say Torian Prince, I guess, but John Collins brings a lot to the court that the Hawks need. Absolutely. I mean, just to see the lobs happen again last <laughs> night was really exciting. The the highlights, everyone seems more excited to throw a lob uh-huh. well, with Collins on the court. And, you know, we finally got to see some Collins dunks, which is something that we've all wanted for... Since game one. Yeah. Season. Yeah, he just brings instant excitement. And having him and Dwayne Dedman back for the Pacers game was amazing. But it also sort of highlighted Alex Lynn and then whoever's been backing him up, whether that's been Plumley or Poitras, they're backup players. They're not really starters in the NBA. And they've and, been playing starter minutes right. for 15 games almost. And I sort of felt like that that Nugget game was... The first time I saw any like negative body language from Trey Young, just he throws an, an amazing amount of passes. I think he's contributing forty nine percent of the assists for the Hawks. Uh-huh. He'll, he should ha- kind of have more than that, but he'll throw passes. And for some reason, Alex Lynn always brings the ball down. He never just like goes straight up with it. He always has to make a move or something. Mm-hmm. It felt like there was a time when he'd have at least one missed dunk a game. There's like a streak of games where he'd do that, and it's like, dude, you're seven foot one. Just dunk the ball. Jam it. I'm frustrated watching it. I know throwing those passes, there's no one who gets happier when they make an assist than Trey Young. And for him to see some of his passes not go in. And then John Collins, who you throw it anywhere near the basket and He's gonna he's gonna oop it. He's yeah. gonna oop it. He's yeah. gonna throw it down. He had a, there was one point in that Pacers game where it was him and four Pacers and he got the rebound. And you're just like It's so nice to have that explosiveness back. And, you know, you had mentioned before we started recording that Collins only played the first half. Yeah. Um, I think that's more just easing him back into the minutes. We're coming back home this week, Thanksgiving week. I think we have four home games. Yeah. A little bit of home cooking. We might be able to get a W or two at home. Yeah. I think they'll start to put it together. And also just sleep in your own bed and get some rest in Atlanta, I think, is... (laughs) 
going to do wonders for uh, the confidence. The traveling has been insane, and especially for a young team and all the losing, like having a bunch of close games and losing, being home, it's exactly what they needed. And people were unhappy that Collins' first playing time was going to be away from home. You're probably right that they were doing it for resting purposes or keeping him on his path to recovery, but also so he can make his first start at home or he'll he'll have they could get a little bit of legs at pay, in the Pacers game and then he'd be more prepared to go. Absolutely. I expect him to play more minutes this coming week, more than a first half or whatever. How many minutes did he have? Twelve, 12 minutes. Twelve minutes, yeah. I think <laughs> I think we'll see upwards of twenty something this coming week and I'm excited for that. I can't wait to be at State Farm Arena. The farm, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to check out some games this week. Everyone's kind of going to be happy because it's the holidays, and it's always nice to be in the arena, you know, where it's a special time of the year. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's in a good mood. It's going to be cool. I'm sure a lot of people who are Hawks fans that don't live here will, will be back, and it'll be nice to see them. Yeah. There's actual excitement about Trey, and then just getting John Collins also just amplifies that excitement. Did you get to go to the Hawks versus Pistons game where they had? I did the alternate court and the yeah. Alternate I was jerseys? I was there for that. It was it was cool. It, it was really cool that the the jerseys are really clean on the court. If you want me to sound off on all of that right now, I can. Go yeah, ahead. I mean, go, for, go ahead. I would say initial reactions for me from seeing the jersey and the court in person was much different than when I had seen them on screen. Mm-hmm. Like when they had announced it on social media a week or two prior, or even the leaks I had seen. Yeah. Um, it's just the black and gold kind of took me back a little bit because those are Saints colors. That's those yeah. are not our colors. They're, I mean, we need red in the color palette. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was a little bit interesting for me, and I, I got past it. I think the jerseys look really cool. It's refreshing to see it say Hawks across their chest. Finally, they've been having this Atlanta thing for so long. They've been having Atlanta on the front of their jerseys since I want to say. 2014, 2015, something mm-hmm. like that. And I like the Hawks type. I think it looks really good. Yeah. So there's that. And the wing pattern that goes down on the side of the jersey and continues onto the shorts is more of a new uh, graphic element that we hadn't seen before. Uh-huh. So I'm interested to see if they can take this, introduce red, and make it kind of like a newer version of our primaries at some point. Right. Or, or just to do some more fun stuff there. Yeah. Is the wing pattern at all like the pattern that they have on the jerseys now, or it's it's totally different? Totally different. Yeah, it's totally different. It almost reminds me of like an Oregon Ducks type wing, okay. wing pattern, mm-hmm. less so of just uh, straight triangles mm-hmm. that, that are kind of embedded in our three other jerseys right now. So that's it. Was cool to see. I like that they're kind of extending the brand or stretching it. to, yeah. to, to do uh, different things. Especially with the city uniforms, I guess there's a lot of freedom there. And the court looks great, too. Really? Yeah, I would say that uh, it's one of the best-looking courts we've had. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, you go to the Saints with the gold and black color scheme, because I, I was like, oh, that's Georgia Tech's colors. It could um, be, yeah. I mean, well, Georgia Tech has that dark navy. Navy, for sure. Sure. You know, as as we both are, we're huge Atlanta United fans as well. And yeah. they've got the black and red, and they use the gold as an accent. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would have been kind of a cool direction to go with this. That's a really, jersey. yeah. And, you know, the Falcons have had that 
helmet in the past with just the little gold stripe on, yeah. the, on the helmet stripe with the red and black. And I think that that balance looks really great. Mm-hmm. We're a red city. Yeah. I mean, like, we all of our teams have yeah. red, and we, we should embrace that. Absolutely, yeah. So so losing that was a little bit interesting of a, of a brand kind of decision mm-hmm. for me, but... It's the city edition uniform. Yeah. I don't really get it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know on uh, social media that Atlanta was saying that, like, it's the 50th anniversary. That's the gold. Gold is the color of a 50th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. So they were kind of justifying it that way. But they certainly could have included some red or or something like that. Or drop the black and just do red and gold. Mm -hmm. Uh, Almost like our old Dominique colors yeah you know use gold in place of that flat varsity yellow i think that would have been cool uh-huh. too but hey we don't work for the hawks we're just big fans like <laughs> they, they don't they don't always want to listen to our opinion sure so. but to kind of riff on like the idea of the city uniforms mm-hmm. throughout the league i think it obviously is a play to sell more merchandise yeah kind of extend the brands of all of these teams and i get that Mm -hmm. but what a colossal effort every season for nike and 30 nba teams to have all these meetings to design all this stuff for each city for each team Mm -hmm. every season yeah they reboot these city uniforms every year i think the only team that kept it the same was utah which yeah i love their city uniforms They knocked so, that out the park. So they kept those the same this year. And then Miami just did a black version of their Miami Vice jerseys because last year it was white. So there wasn't a lot of design needed there. But 28 other teams. Yeah. Total refresh, which it's just so much work. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, I got to say, are like fails. They yes. look terrible. Yes. So I would almost hope that they would spend a little bit more time, do it right, have great uniforms, and cycle them out every two or three years, mm-hmm. as opposed to this team's only going to wear the uniform five or six times during an 82-game season, right. and then you reboot and do another one? Like, yeah. How does that make any sense? Right. Like, I just bought a city uniform last year, and now <laughs> i got to buy another one? Yeah. Are there any that you like that you think are particularly strong this year uh like i said i love utah's i think it's great uh i love the um minnesota timberwolves they did a prince, the prince yeah the purple rain it looks so good i mean i'm not a wolves fan but i almost want to buy a piece of absolutely orange, you know? yeah like i guess maybe in a way when they do it right and they do cool stuff casual nba fans like design like the design and want to yeah. buy it maybe they're not really catering to people like me or you interesting yeah and yeah. also I think they've done a good job when they, and they've only had it for one year, but when they do hit it out of the park with, like, Utah, that they decided to keep it or something. Or, like, yeah. the Miami ones, the black ones look like They look one so of their cool, yeah. yeah. So I guess maybe when they do hit it out of the park, that can kind of stick around and almost help shape the brand long term. Yeah. Most of the time it doesn't. Uh, uh, there's some bad ones. There's some really bad ones. I, I'm not a fan of gray uniforms, period, and there's a lot of those this yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, the gray just doesn't look good. I Minnesota one was awesome. I liked how much they incorporated the Prince theme. And I also, the Nuggets went back to the rainbow. I love that one too. Yeah, it definitely would definitely would get a Paul Millsap of Paul, that. Yeah. yeah. That would be really cool to own. And so I think it gives them a lot more freedom. I mean, the Cavs one is just... The Cavs one is crazy. I've seen mixed reviews on the internet. Like, some people think it's wild and fun. Like, that's kind of probably where I lie with uh-huh. it. Other people think it looks like a 12-year-old designed it. So, yeah. who knows? 
I think New Orleans is pretty clean. They kind of have that Mardi Gras thing going yeah. on. I was disappointed. The Bucks are celebrating their old court, but it looks like they just like took a corner of the court and put it on their chest. Yeah, they they didn't really communicate how the design came to life uh-huh. um, effectively. And then there's others like the Raptors are doing the white version of their kind of OVO Drake mm-hmm. thing, so that's cool. But then what happens next year? Is this kind of going to be a permanent thing where they kind of stick with this template or what? And then San Antonio's is so boring; they just do the <laughs> they just do the camouflage every time. And I think yeah, I know a few Burst fans, and they just want the Fiesta colors back. So, yeah. So why not give it to them? You know? I don't know why they don't listen to their fans. I feel like the Miami Vice one was came out of the fans and really helped shape that one. And the Fiesta one for the Spurs, which goes back to the All Star game that was held there, mm-hmm. seems like a natural extension. Yeah, but you know they've had so many opportunities to go there with alternate jerseys and these new city things and even throwback nights. They haven't done it yet. And <laughs> just do it. Put the Fiesta colors out there. Like, uh-huh. Let's bring some excitement back to the league. Yeah. There's Sacramento for two seasons now. They've done kind of same kind of idea, but mm-hmm. like version one and version two of the same thing. Yeah. Starting to get kind of old. It says Sacktown, which is kind of funny to me. I can't not, <laughs> I can't not laugh at that. You know? Sacktown. Yeah. I think they did a really good job with their alternate court, with having the, like, old-school king, like, it looks like an old-school shield of arms lying on there. And it's interesting that they're doing these alternate courts. Yeah, alternate courts. I guess courts are not as expensive as they used to be, because now teams are, they have multiple courts. Some yeah. teams even have three courts that they wow. they lay out during the season, which I, I don't know the, I don't know the finance financials of this kind of stuff but i just figure a court probably costs like a million dollars or something right um and that kind of goes to how much these teams are valued at now and how much they keep you know growing and the nba is doing so well that maybe the cost of the court isn't going down but they just have a lot more money to do stuff like this yeah for instance i did hear that the current hawks primary court that we use they could have just used the same court as last year and mm-hmm. replaced the Phillips with the State Farm just right. in those areas. Yeah. But they decided to chop up the old court and use it throughout the clubs and the concourse of the renovated arena. Mm-hmm. And they bought a new court, but the te- or I guess the company that made that court did the colors wrong. So if you look at the charcoal or the feather pattern, uh-huh. it, it's all wrong. Oh, wow. It almost looks like a bootleg jersey. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, I'm sure they'll be fixing that at mm-hmm. some point. Maybe they'll take advantage of like the holidays or whatever, or maybe they fixed it over this uh, West Coast trip or mm-hmm. whatever. That was definitely uh, not mentioned uh, mistake. Absolutely, that yeah. they they do intend on fixing. So they could have just used the old court, but they decided to buy a new one, and then it, the design was messed up. Yeah, so. maybe having that alternate court too means they can be like, oh, we'll just use that court for a while, and the other ones just sure. getting fixed or something. For sure. It's interesting what Nike's trying to do with the city jerseys. I've enjoyed watching like the teams play when it's not just a solid color versus a white. They're starting to play color and color more. Definitely, yeah. There, there's no specified home in a way now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some... There's a website you can go to that I forget the name of it, but it tracks the uniforms, um, and it actually says what uniform each team will wear in every game throughout the season. We'll find that, and we'll we'll mention what it is at some point. Yeah. 
But getting back to the Hawks, mm-hmm. they're happy to be coming back after that West Coast trip. I don't think that they were expecting to win every game, but I, losing every game was not the goal either. And it's been, I've been encouraged also in just hearing Coach Pierce talk about how he didn't want to use the altitude as an excuse in the Nuggets game. And you can see the disappointment on his face in these postgame um, interviews that he's not happy with the way the team performs, especially when they get blown out and like Denver. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all in the same boat and we want to see the team play well because that gives us hope. Yeah. But also when they lose, we're also hopeful for dra- a lot of right. re- draft right. lotto reasons, which is a weird place to be as a fan. And we haven't been here for too long. Right. You know, we were kind of in this this boat last year. Uh, we got Trey Young out of it. And yeah. Kevin Herter and Amari Spellman, who I love. I think Spellman's awesome. There's that. And this is just the second year of that we've had in over a decade. Mm-hmm. So... Some weird shoes to be in right now. Yeah. But what I'm excited about, and this is what I hang my hat on, is the team is exciting. They're super fun to watch. The players are fun. They have a lot of charisma. You can see them getting along well. Even some of the pregame rituals, the high fives and stuff like that. Uh It's it's been really refreshing to have all of this personality and excitement. Yeah. You brought up uh, both Herter and Amari Spellman. Like, what have you... Uh, Amari Spellman's been been getting a lot of playing time, even starting. Like, have you seen from him, or like, have you enjoyed about him? I mean, I think I said this last time I was on the pod, but every time he jams it, he's got something to say. And, <laughs> uh, he's just a little bit of swagger that uh-huh. has been missing in recent years. You know, we got a few glimpses of that when we had Horford when he would make a great play. He would he would bark a little bit, but like not to this frequency. Yeah, and then watching uh, Herder. Like, he can put the ball on the ground and get to the cup. Yeah. Which is maybe, like, not what you would expect out of late first round. Was he late first round? Or he early? was the 19th pick. Okay, yeah. It's not something that you would normally expect, especially coming off an injury. You think he's, like, more of a shooter, which he is. Yeah. But he can kind of make his own shot, too, which is really nice to have. It's nice to have more than one guy that can do that. Supposedly, he's the guy who's been like dominating all the shooting drills when they're practicing and, and leading all the scoreboards there. But Kevin Herter has really surprised me on the defensive end because he's been stuck on point guards at some points, and he just like is a solid wing defender. And I thought coming into the season and coming off of his injury, he was the biggest candidate to go down to the G League and maybe get some time there. And we saw Coach Bud really use the G League to season young guys and not play. Rookies, and we've gotten a totally different set of rules here with Coach Pierce. Who's, I mean, we had a game where three rookies started, which hadn't happened in a while. Sure. Who is who are our G League players right now? Our two way players. Okay. Our two way players right now are Jalen Adams and Daniel Hamilton, who is with the team. Okay, um, but Adams was just sent down this week, I believe. Yeah, and he just dropped forty four points, including ten threes in their last game for the Erie BayHawks. The BayHawks, yeah. So he's he's NBA talent. Yeah, it's just maybe our roster's kind of too deep right now. Right, too deep with rookies that we want to get get time. time. Yeah, you know, I've been really excited. And the one bright spot in this trip, Jeremy Lin has been playing really well, and I couldn't be happier for anybody. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of clamor on the internet about like why would the Hawks even bring in a guy mm-hmm. like Jeremy Lin? Yeah. He's doing the numbers. He's putting in time, especially like when Trey needs to be benched, like for. 
whatever reasons, hey, like you're having a bad night, like this happens to rookies. Yeah. We still need a point guard to facilitate and score 12, 15, 18 points a night, hit a couple threes, dish a few dimes. And Jeremy Lin's been absolutely that. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't be happier for him. And he, it's cool to see him on social media being so thankful for the opportunity and always like saying like, hey, this is where I, I think... Like in Denver, right? Like I think was uh, was it last night or two nights ago, where he was like, "Oh, this is where I got hurt a year ago." I didn't even think about that. He was like, "This is where I got was." I don't know if it was at the Pacers or at the Nuggets where he got hurt. He like took a picture in the same spot. Mm He was like, "What a difference like two years makes or whatever." Yeah, and you know, he's just really thankful to be on an NBA roster and contributing like this. Yeah, so it's really cool to have that happen here in Atlanta. And I know he's been asked a lot about, like, is he mentoring Trey Young? Like, what was his, his job was and why was he brought in? And I thought he gave a really great answer. And he's saying, you know, it, it's not really a mentor relationship. It's more of a peer relationship. Because as much as I'm teaching Trey, there are things Trey does that I'm learning from him. They're um, making each other better players. Yeah. and well, Maybe one's more towards the end of their career and one's definitely towards the beginning. But they're making each other better and pushing each other yeah that's that's awesome exactly awesome to know like they've been played on the court together as well which i think is good um jeremy lynn can shift over to that two guard position and him hitting threes and he's starting to get to the basket i've just been really impressed i was at the beginning of the season and he was working his way back from injury it was oh jeremy lynn he's maybe a primarily a backup and like maybe he's not going to get back to where he was but he's been so impressive Whenever Trey has had a problem and Lloyd wants to take him off, Jeremy Lin has more than carried the team when he's out there, mm-hmm. um, which has been a lot of fun. And he's gone back to his old hairstyle, too, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. he's letting it grow out a little bit more, <laughs> which which is good. But yeah, it's it's cool. Like, Lin has a look that you know him for, uh-huh. um, and we're, we're, start, we're starting to kind of get that now. And I don't know if you have anything to say about, but I saw that Vince is wearing his shoes or something oh right yeah he went back to the what it's called the nike shocks bb4 which is kind of a throwback or what he i think that's what he wore when he won the slam dunk contest uh-huh. he'll be wearing that for the rest of the nba season which is cool i mean i to see people in the sneaker world excited about that uh-huh makes me excited that they're paying attention to the hawks yeah yeah <laughs> that's a really good point so i'm like that's great so you're gonna be watching more hawks games uh-huh. now. that's good one thing i learned last night i was hanging out with drew frank he's the uh game ops guy that sits at the scorers table at uh-huh. the hawks games we were just having dinner or whatever and he mentioned to me we were talking about vince and he was saying that Vince Carter has this reputation throughout the league, of course. Everyone really respects him. And yeah. that it's awesome to have him kind of like be the captain and really assume the captain's role. Yeah. And then I asked I asked Drew, I was like, listen, I've been watching the NBA my entire life. I didn't know there was like a dedicated captain on each team. Right. Like, how does that work? And he's like, well, it's the guy that stays on court and argues calls or... Five minutes before tip, he'll go to the center circle and talk to the refs, and each team has a captain okay. that does that. Yeah. And I'm like, well, who have our captains been in the past? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't even know, like, who would assume this kind of role. And right. He said last year, Baysmore was that guy. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, was who like was Joe Johnson that guy? Or yeah, who, had who to be that? Al, right? Or like... maybe Al, or yeah, I don't know. I'm like, that's so weird because like in other sports, 
they wear the C on their jersey yeah. sleeve or, or the armband for soccer. And so you know who the captain is, but this is kind of like a non-publicized kind of It role. is, yeah. They certainly could have something on the jersey or some, you know, something to show. I mean, they're wearing all sleeves anyway, so you feel like you could add something. But I did not know this. I, I had no idea that this was a thing. How many other people that like, love the NBA know this? <laughs> So I thought that was really cool, but yeah. Vince has absolutely, absolutely been the captain for this team. Yes, um, I assume that role, and it's really great to see him be a leader. They did a really smart job of and deliberate job on the veterans they wanted to surround this core with, and I know that both Bembry and Torian Prince have said that they looked up to Vince, like even before he came to the Hawks and for wings. That's perfect guy and. I think Jeremy Lin, after all, he's gone, he's seen the highs and lows of having a bunch of tension on you and being extremely good. I think there's nobody better for... And being um, hurt and fighting back. Right. Know, all of that. He's just such a role model in different ways as an NBA player. As an NBA player, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's so humble, and they've just done a good job. And, and even Miles Plumley, who I was very down on at the beginning of the season, he's accepted this bench role, and he's now a spark off the bench. As bad as I thought he was at the beginning of the season, he hasn't complained about that job, and he's he may be doing a little too much. I don't want to see him trying to take centers one-on-one with dribble moves, but he'll dunk it and get the team excited, mm-hmm. and he'll provide a little spark. He's had some flashes of brilliance, uh, for sure, like that I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. It's, and, oh, I cannot discount Dwayne Dedman. Yes. Yeah. He's so much more agile this year. Yes. He's flying all over the place, mm-hmm. very explosive with... This is, the, this is really the first time I've seen him be this kind of player, mm-hmm. and it, it's so refreshing to see. And maybe it's the youth he, yeah. he kind of wants to yeah. keep up. That's a good point. He also just had his first kid, so... Congratulations, Dwayne. Congratulations, Dwayne. Absolutely. I, I think that's a very good point. He wants to hang out with these young guys, and the pace they're playing at, they're playing at an extremely high pace. And one thing that Dwayne does, too, he might have the best celebration for a three-pointer. His like long distance call me up that he does when he throws up and hits the. Three. He's hitting a lot of threes this this year. <laughs> it's cool. Well, one thing I wanted to do before we ended this was, mm-hmm. Forrest, we're at your place, and I don't know if any how many people are listening that have been to Forrest's place, but he's got a lot of sports memorabilia <laughs> up in his his place, and as does his dad at their place at oh, their yeah. house, mostly Atlanta sports stuff. Forrest, your house is leaning way more towards Hawks. Yeah, A lot of Hawks stuff. A lot so of Hawks stuff. I just picked something off the wall, a framed picture, and I want you to tell me about it. Yeah. I can just kind of describe it here. It's just a framed black and white photo. It's Dr. J, and he's wearing an Atlanta Hawks tank top and basketball shorts. And I guess he's says it's number 27 on his shirt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so when the ABA and the NBA... Were competing and finally the NBA sort of won and they were trying to figure out how all the players were going to come from the ABA to the NBA. Some of the players were free agents and the Hawks owner at the time saw an opportunity to get really high level talent and he brought Dr. J in and there wasn't really any sort of way to get players to go from the different um, leagues. The Hawks signed Dr. J, and this was when Pistol Pete was on the Hawks as well, and they actually played two uh, preseason exhibition games in Savannah 
Um, and I think Dr. J averaged something like 27 points and like 15 rebounds. And Pistol Pete averaged 20 points and like 15 assists or something. But those are two games that are legendary. And Dr. J said he had such an appreciation for Pistol Pete when he got to play with them. Um, but then, of course, just like most Atlanta things, it couldn't stay together. And I think that the either Virginia team or the, uh, I guess, the Philadelphia 76ers were like, hey, man, like, Dr. J was playing in our area, and, like, we should get, there should be some sort of draft, or there should be a more organized path to the NBA than just, like, signing with the team that pays you the most money. And so, which is unlike today, correct? Where yeah, you just sign where they pay you. And so it went to court, and the Hawks were not able to keep the rights to Dr. J, and he ended up going to play for the 76ers and winning a championship and being an icon for the the Nets. Um, but I, it's you know something to think about as an Atlanta fan, just what sort of history we would have if we have Pistol Pete and Dr. J with some championship banners in our history and maybe they're more of a history of winning basketball. But this picture always is just like, it's fun to see Dr. J and and the old school Atlanta Hawks um, Pac-Man logo. Yeah. I mean that we may have had a Dr. J statue in front of the state farm arena and yeah, we might have some banners or retired Jersey number 27 that he's wearing here. Exactly, you yeah. Know, like that team shop might be selling throwback Dr. J Dr. uniforms. Dr. J uniforms. Instead, yeah. um, and Dr. J lives in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. he'll be at Hawks games every oh, once He's a there a lot. Yeah, I've taken a picture with him before at a That's game. That's awesome. Which is really cool. It's, yeah. It, it is interesting. There's a lot of... Um, a lot of kind of NBA legends that do live in Atlanta Mm -hmm. that you'll see in and around. Yeah, and there's a lot, I mean, it's just another what if for the Hawks. So it's fun to have this up, and I think people, it just like piques their interest too, like, oh, Dr. J, I don't remember him being on the Hawks, and it's like... A story to tell. Correct, correct. I love having this memorabilia up. For sure. Well, been great having you on, Larry. Is there anything else you want to talk about, or... Um, no, I'm good. I think we went through everything. A design conversation went a little long, but I have I really enjoy talking about designs and uniforms and stuff yeah. like that. So we'll do that again. I think they're going to wear some classic uniforms uh, later this season. So yeah, we'll jump on and talk about that at some point. We really appreciate your insight on those design, and um, it's always good to talk to you. So, do you have anything to plug or anything you want people to follow the Hawks Bros? Yeah, or? follow Hawks Bros on Instagram and. Yeah, we'll just do it. I hope everyone has a happy holiday. Once again, I want to thank Larry Luke for coming on to the Kettlecast. I hope everybody has a wonderful holidays. And if you have any questions about this podcast or about the Hawks, you can email me at Kettlecast. That's K-E-T-T. L-E-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. We will be doing a mailbag episode of the Kettlecast, so get your emails in and I'll try to answer all the emails I get. Thanks so much for listening. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or however you're listening to this, it would mean a lot to me if you gave me a rating and a review. And go Hawks!